If you're an education leader or visionary for improving our school mental health system, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Charlie Peck, keynote speaker and school mental health consultant. Make sure you download our free school mental health audit at thrivingeducator.org forward slash audit to assess your current system with your mental health team. Now that's thrivingeducator.org forward slash audit. Make sure you pick that up. All right, let's get started with today's episode. Hi, this is Charlie Peck from the Thriving Educator Podcast, and we have Annika Smith on today, and boy, we're going to talk about bullying in our schools, and we've got to do something about this darn thing. You guys are in for a treat today with Annika. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is really a deep issue, and I know you're willing to share your story, and what it's going to do is it's going to help us all appreciate the importance of what we're doing in our schools. As we already know, I mean, they, we talk about this all the time here, Annika, but this is going to really be gripping. So everybody sit tight, get relaxed and comfortable, and this is going to be powerful. So Annika, can you please tell people what, you, what your work is now and why you're doing what you're doing now? Yeah, so now I'm in private practice. Um, I have a focus on LGBTQ plus IA and trauma-focused care. I uh, I enjoy working with kiddos and teenagers because, again, they're like our future. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you have a story to tell about your school experience, and we want kids to be feeling safe in our schools and mm -hmm. secure in the space of the adults. So what was it like for you to go to your own school? What was that school experience like for you? Well, for me, it was a, a mixed bag, right? So I had teachers that were super, super encouraging, but I also had teachers that perpetuated the bullying that I had at home and at school, right? So um, when I was first in school, I was like in the third grade. This is a bully teacher who I talked too much Um yeah, had that on my, all my things, talk too much. Now I get paid for that. So yay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I talked too much. She put me in the corner and every time I turned around, she paddled me in front of the, the students. And, and it was humiliating, right? So I'm humiliated at home. I'm humiliated at school. Like no place was safe. As I got older, I had another teacher, like in the seventh grade, her name was Mrs. O'Brien, and I had had lice for like the fifth time, and I came back to our room, <clears throat> and I was crying like hysterically, and she pulled me in the hall, and she gave me a hug, and she's like, on well, well, that's another story, anyway, she was like, Annika, it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay, you know, and I remember in that moment, just for that second, feeling safe, Right. So teachers can do both. They can create an environment that creates safety or they can create an environment that perpetuates bullying. Right. So that one teacher, when I was being paddled, gave the kids the fuel to continue to pick on me. Right. Like, oh, look at you. Like, nobody likes you. You're dirty. You're this. The teacher put you in the corner. Right. Where if she would have pulled me aside and did what Mrs. O'Brien did. It could have been a totally different story. And then high school, do you want me to keep going or would you like well, me to? Well, I want to dive into some of this because okay. there's just, there's so much depth to it, Annika. Let's talk about that, the, those moments where you said you were paddled. Okay. This is the time, this is when it was okay. And by the way, you and I are both in Kentucky. I'm assuming, did you grow up in Kentucky? 
Yeah, I'm from Germany originally. We came to America when I was seven. So yes, for the first half of my life. And then I went into foster care. And then in foster care, I was like in Ohio and Missouri. Okay. So when you had those experiences, did that not happen until middle school? Or did you have some bad experiences on the elementary level too when you got here? to the No, I was in the third grade with the paddling experience. Oh my goodness. Okay. So in third grade, you have a teacher it sounds like you felt like you were targeted by this particular teacher. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like she did not like me. And, you know, like in third grade, you don't know that, right? You just yeah. know that the teacher is annoyed with you. And, you know, if you say one more thing, you're going to be put in the corner. And every time you turn around, like that was a six or seven hour day. Like the only time I was allowed out of the corner was when I got to eat lunch. And so then that, that teacher put you into the corner in the morning mm-hmm. in the morning to start the day or did you do something that prompted it or she tell me more about that yeah i was talking too much so uh, yeah i was a talker <laughs> oh, goodness yeah. okay so you went to the corner and that in itself is humiliating which okay so that in itself and then you said that she paddled you. Tell, can you share an experience or yeah that yeah i was in there like and this is just my memory, probably around 9am to 9.30, somewhere around there. And because I was like a fidgety kid, which now we know that like ADHD can be um, contributed to trauma, right? We know that there's a correlation between the two. So I would peek around and then she'd like pull me out of the corner and paddle me in front of all the kids. And how did they react to that? Do you remember? I don't remember, honestly, because, you know, like when we talk about those trauma responses, my goal was just survival, right? In that moment. And that sounds weird to be a third grader, but looking back with my adult eyes, I can see that my little self was just like that fight, fight or freeze, right? There wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what the kids are. Now, what I do remember is being on the, uh, the playground at one point and being like being made fun of because this happened. And what was that like for you to now go from that environment in your classroom, feeling that humiliation, going out to the playground, and then your peers now target you because the teacher did that? What was that like? When I sit and think about it, I was desperate for connection somewhere, right? Like, and so I would try to be friends with kids that weren't kind, Do you know what I mean? In which in that case, nobody was kind, really. Like at that same time, there was a school bully that would like, and this sounds very weird now to think about, but she would like squeeze me between doors, right? Like, so you had those doors that would open and I somehow ended up back in the corner and she would squeeze me in there where I couldn't get out, right? Like, and then, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting to think about that little girl that just needed some love from somewhere. That's right. I mean, that's it because you also shared that when you went home, some things were happening there too. Let what do you yeah. want to share about that? Yeah, well, I had a stepdad that hated me, and I had a mom that was in active addiction. And in high school, there was um, there were some other things that happened there. And when if you decide to talk about that, we can talk about that. Um, but it wasn't safe. Like cops were at our house all the time. You know, my stepdad would be beating on my mom. My mom would be doing drugs. Um, she hung out with people or kids like teenagers. That was like her thing, like did drugs with them, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it wasn't, wasn't safe there. Yeah, it wasn't safe there. And a lot of kids who have that unsafe environment at home 
actually look forward to going to school. Mm -hmm. They feel safe. So it's, it's terrible that they didn't have that safe, secure um, space at school to go to and feel that refuge. And so I know you said that there were several incidents that happened at school, like with other teachers. What are some other things that might've happened that other teachers and leaders can look for now that teachers were doing to you that were not helpful and that were harmful? Well, calling out, instead of looking at the behavior and trying to figure out why, you know, like it was, you were being punished all the time. You know, it's like, you're the bad kid. You're the bad kid. Well, why am I the bad kid? You know, I had glasses at one point. Um, My stepdad got mad at me and broke them. Hello, middle level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that leads over 120 middle-specific teaching and learning sessions. Our featured lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Ruti Kafele, Darren Peppard, LaQuanta Nelson, Zach Bowermaster, and the host of this podcast, educational expert Charlie Peck. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference today. I couldn't see I couldn't see the board. I couldn't see like when you remember when we were younger, they had the thing where they would put the um the picture on the on the board and you had to read like you would go around yes. and read. Yes. I literally had to walk up to the board when it was my turn to see it. I could not see it. So instead of the teacher saying like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like looking at those behaviors, like why are you walking up to the board? Why are you having such a problem? Why are you going to the bathroom? You know, like teachers didn't ask those questions. They just assumed that I was a bad kid. When I, when I went into foster care and got glasses, I went from a D and F an occasional C student to an A and a B an occasional C student. So if somebody would have taken two seconds to try to figure out what was happening, it could have, my grade school could have been a totally different thing. Well, because when you learn those grades as a student, you're ostracized and kids know and adults know, and they, they do get judgy. They really do. And how do you think that made everybody look at you? Because there are kids sitting there who are going through some of these things too. What are, what kind of, one of the things we talk about is unfair judgments. What kind of unfair judgments are people making and peers making about these kids that are showing up to school with these kind of problems? Well, I was labeled as a bad kid, right? Like I was labeled. Um, I had a title that didn't fit who I was because in who my heart, I wanted to be a good kid. I wanted that like affirmation. You know, I thrived on being told that I was good because all the other messages were being, I'm bad. You know, you talk too much, you move too much. Well, why do I talk too much? Why do I move too much? Why am I not able to, like, why do I have to be on top of the board to be able to see it, mm-hmm. right? Like those questions, but also having compassion for teachers because when you have a room full of kids, we know that teachers are underpaid now. They don't have the support that they need, you know? So there is compassion on that side, 
but I also have teachers that made such a huge difference in telling me that I have value. Yeah. So let's talk about that because that is so very important when you're feeling this way in one space and then you have other teachers who do lift you up. What was that like? Um, it was like a starving person finally getting some food. I know that sounds like very dramatic, but that was exactly, I remember I had this class, um, Mrs. Wilson, and she heard these kids making fun of me, you know, like, oh, you, you know, I was drawing and they were like, this one kid specifically was like, oh, you know, that picture, you draw a picture that looks better than you do, you know, like just giving me a really, really hard time. And uh came to class and she had got me a little precious moment and she put a note in it and just let me know, like, hey, it is not always going to be like this. Like, this is not the end of your story. And then I had another teacher, Miss Campbell, who, um, same thing. She like saw kids bullying me really like relentlessly. And she, I still have the, the notes from both these teachers. She wrote me a note too and telling me about her, you know, her story a little bit. Like it was bad for her when she was younger, but that she promised that it would be better for me at some point. You know, those little, little nuggets of encouragement that it's going to be okay, that you have value, you're worthy just because these kids can't see that or what's going on at home. You are somebody. Well, let's get in your head about those two situations, because when you're in a situation, when you are relentlessly being teased, which so many kids are, and teachers don't even pick up on it. They don't even know. They're not jerks. They just don't, they're not paying attention or they just don't know what to look for or what to do about it. Even if they do know, if we don't know what to do, we do nothing or we keep doing the same things that weren't working before. Right. right. So let's get in your head there. The kid who had a teacher who was perpetuating the harm mm -hmm. and ignoring it again, perpetuating versus the kid who was experiencing that supportive teacher and that group around them. What was that like? Um, like get in your head there. What was that like for you? Well, the dichotomy and thought, right? It was kind of confusing in some ways. Like, how can one teacher think that I'm this horrible kid and make that my voice for myself? And then another teacher tell me that I'm a good kid and that it's going to be okay, right? They're two different thoughts. But I think in the core of who I was, I always believed that there had to be something more than what I was living, right? So one teacher made me fight that, like, um, you're bad. No, I'm not. I'm not bad. I'm a good kid. Right. Even though that was the message that I was given that I was bad and that still was there in some ways. Mm -hmm. But then the other teacher that was like, you're a good kid. You're going to make it. This isn't the end of the story that resonated with who I thought I was as a human. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I am somebody. It can get better, even though I thought everything that I was living was normal. As weird as that and odd as that may sound, all of it felt normal to me. You know, chaos at home, I really somewhere thought that everybody's world looked like that in some capacity, but then also was desperate to have something different. So having one teacher show me that, yeah, it can be different. And another teacher, again, perpetuating the trauma. Yeah. And I think something inside you just knows that it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. And so you just want to find a different way to feel good. And that was your only point of reference, but you knew it didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So these kids are sitting there having this terrible life experience. I mean, let's talk about ACEs here for a second. Do you mind sharing what um, you told me about ACEs? Now I have 10 out of 10, right? And the, the theory is, is that the higher the ACE score, the worse the outcome. However, people don't talk about the resiliency score, right? Because the resiliency score can also 
um, mitigate what the ACE score has, right? So I had teachers that spoke life to me. I had teachers that told me that it was going to be okay that saw me. And going into foster care was actually helpful as well because I had great foster parents, so. That is awesome. I mean, truly. So it's the adults around you that gave you hope, it sounds like. Mm-hmm, 100%. Yeah, because the majority of these kids are really, really good kids, right? Is there mental health? Absolutely. But why are there? Why are these kids that are labeled as ADHD or as bad kids? Why? What's going on at home? What is happening with this kid? You know, why is this kid so angry? You know, like look at the holistic, the whole part, the whole child, not just like, oh, they're behaving this way again. Why? And what would you say to teachers who say, listen, I'm way too overwhelmed. I am not a therapist. I don't want to be, I'm not a counselor. I don't want to take this on. I just want to teach kids. What would you say to them? Well, kindness isn't therapy right? Like if you look at what these teachers did, it was kindness to me. They weren't my therapist. They just showed me that I was okay, right? Like there's no need to be a therapist in that particular arena. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's speaking life. It doesn't take much to find something that a kid's doing, right? Even if it's just sitting still, you know, like, oh, good job, right? Like those, it's like, give, again, giving water, to somebody that's like super thirsty because they don't hear that. A lot of these kids that are acting out, they're trying to survive and they're trying to ask for help in ways that are not the most productive. Mm -hmm. And what would have happened, do you think, Annika, if those teachers and those foster parents didn't come into your life? I think that I probably would be on the streets. I probably would be doing the same thing that my mom did, right? Like the addiction aspect, you know, like those moments in time, those like five seconds of kindness, it really can make a huge difference. And so, I mean, that kind of answers my question. I mean, what kind of role do you think the school plays in mitigating this entire youth mental health crisis that we have? Mm-hmm. I think, actually repeat the question. I want to make sure I'm answering. Right. Yeah, no, I know. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking of a lot of different things too. And I, I want to make sure I, I communicate it. I believe that our schools are the key. I definitely parents and families like that's gotta, we all know that that has to be strengthened, but I think because of the reach that schools have and the resources that they can actually support their families and parents and uh, caregivers, I believe it's the schools that are going to make the difference to mitigate this youth mental health crisis that we have. So I think if we use education, the space that kids come into every day to educate them, to teach them about their brain, to teach them about their body responses, to show that support that the parents and caregivers should be giving, but may not be giving. I think the power is in the schools. What are your thoughts on that? I agree a hundred percent. So when you say it that way, absolutely. And there are all these resources at school now, right? We have counselors that are on, on staff, you know, if you don't know the answer as a teacher, partner with the counselor, right? And figure out that ACE score is extremely helpful. I would be curious even just to give it out, not that you probably would need permission to do this, but to give it out to the class, you know, like in my therapeutic practice, I use the ACE score as a way to understand what barriers I may have with my clients, right? Like Mm -hmm. sexual abuse, for instance. Mm -hmm. I have a client that has very strong reasons, very strong opinions about sex with their 15-year-old. Doing the ACE score with her 
found out that she was sexually abused. And that is why she has such an intense like reaction to her child being normal. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your opinion or thoughts are on that, but. Well, I would love that because I, first of all, it'd be great if you could just explain a little bit more about the ACE score. I think people have heard of it, but I don't think they understand how to use it and what it actually is. Can you, can you start there? Mm -hmm. Sure. No problem. Um, It's adverse childhood experiences. And the theory again, is that the higher your ACE score, the worst is your, are your outcomes. So it covers things like um, sexual abuse, neglect, all those things that can be pivotal issues in your life that can determine outcomes. So it's extremely helpful, I would think, for a teacher in dealing with their students and understanding a little bit more about what these kiddos are dealing with. Yeah. And so it sounds like if teachers just knew what the ACEs score was, I think that you're kind of saying if there was some kind of brief assessment they could they could do. I mean, yes, there's confidentiality and in, in all of that. Right. Yeah. Um, but there, there is a way to communicate, right there. It is about that partnership. It sounds like, like we can't, nobody needs to do this in a silo. Nobody needs to do this alone. This is a team effort. And sometimes there's confidentiality that keeps that barrier, which I think a lot of us understand, mm-hmm. but teachers do play a pivotal role. Okay. So why did you not have any issues with a school counselor? Why did you have issues with teachers, do you think? Well, school counselors weren't really involved, right? Like, again, I was in um, what would be, it used to be called EDBD. Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember. Emotionally disturbed, behaviorally. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Not about that in a while. (laughs) Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was in that particular class. Right. And so the counselors weren't really involved. Um, my point in saying that is I actually ended up going back to the school and teaching that class after I went out. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it was being able to go back and talk to the teachers that again, spoke life to me and like helped me. And I, I'm wondering too, like if maybe the ACE score would have been available at that time, or if it would have been used, if maybe there would have been a better understanding about what was going on in my world. Right. And the way I got around that when I was teaching this curriculum, because I actually got to teach about mental health and um, wellness and, and all of that and child development to mm-hmm. high schoolers, to adolescents, I taught them about their brain. And I taught them about the brain body connection. And I was able to bring in all that, the research and all the new, all the ACEs, all that kind of stuff. It was really cool. And I didn't have them do an assessment in class because I wanted to protect them from diving mm-hmm. too deeply. But what it did, Annika, is it had them think differently about themselves. It had them think about, oh, this is why I'm thinking and feeling this way. This is what's happened to me. That doesn't mean that I'm this bad person. So it was, we were able to, change how their perspective about themselves was. And it was so powerful. That's why I'm doing this work today, because we have to do this in the masses. Like we've got to take this information and just bring it to the masses. And there are so many adults who truly do care about kids who are positioned around them all the time, who are key players. And then if those teachers, the, the ones who didn't treat you well, I don't know, what do you think was going on with them? If you had to go back in time, what are you really thinking is going on with them? Maybe they had their own stuff, right? And I just happened to be an easy target, right? Like in that moment, because I was the kid that was acting out, you know? Like, I think the one thing that we sometimes forget is that teachers are human too, 
You know, it doesn't negate or validate what she did, but it does help me have a little bit of compassion for her. Like, well, maybe, you know, maybe there was something going on that day that my whatever annoyance was the thing that she focused on. Again, does not validate or make it okay at all. No way. Mm-mm. What So what do you think needs to be done now? And I think there is a lot. I think you've already said, like, there's a lot we're doing differently now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they wouldn't get away with that these days. No way. No way. <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is it that we now need that we're still missing? Well, it's educating the educators, right? Like to your point, like the mind body, you know, is this kid in the trauma response? Or are they in that reptilian brain? You know, they're fr- flight, fight freeze are fawn, you know, the kids that are like, please tell me I'm good. Please tell me I'm good. I'm going to do, is that a fawn response, right? Educating educators on how to look for these things. And again, even if you don't know, it never hurts to be kind. It doesn't hurt. Like, again, those teachers that were kind to me had no idea about ACE scores. They just saw a kid that was being bullied that was shut down and sad and wanted to make sure that I knew right? We're what we're not going to talk about him many years later, but quite a few years later. And it's still something that touches my heart in both sides, the teachers that were bullies and the teachers that were kind. Right. And how was your behavior different in each of those spaces? Um, the, I felt more relaxed in the school, in the classes where the teachers were kind to me and saw that I was being bullied and acknowledged that there was something happening. I remember being in that freeze response constantly in between freeze and fawn in the two classes where the teachers were bullies. And those kids, and forgive me, I'm not trying to be judgy or rude here because you and I both know this work well. Those kids who are the kids who are fine, right? Maybe you could explain that a little bit more what that would look like too. Those kids actually appear to be annoying to teachers. So mm-hmm. can you show, can you explain what that might look like to a teacher so that they know that that's actually a trauma response? They may not. Yeah. Know. So like, even as an adult, sometimes I catch myself doing that where I'm anxious and I'm wanting that person to tell me I'm okay. You know, like, am I good? Am I good? Did I do this right? Am I all right? Did I do this? Okay. You know, and it usually happens with people that I feel like are in leadership. Um, it's better now. I don't struggle with it nearly as much because I can recognize it. But as a kid, it would be the kid that's always coming up and asking questions and trying to get that connection and like, look at me and I'll do the erasers or I'll go ahead and wipe this or I'll, you know, it's being able to differentiate between what is a fawn, like, oh, you're so good. You're so awesome. Like, when I was a kid, there was one teacher, um, I cannot remember her name, but she loved Tom Selleck. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. She did. She loved Tom Selleck. So I would try to find all the pictures I could of Tom Selleck and bring them into her. Right. Right. That is like a fawn response. I wanted that approval, Mm. you know, and sometimes, oh, go ahead. You look like, no, no, I want to hear more. Go please. Yeah. I was going to say sometimes kids that need the most love act out in the most like not good ways or what we would assume is not good. And if we can separate the behavior and look below and go, okay, what's happening? You know, like for me as a kid, it was, if somebody would have said, oh, the police were at her house at two o'clock in the morning, her mom didn't feed her. She doesn't have glasses. She's dirty, right? Like her clothes are stinking. If somebody would have taken a moment 
that would have been a totally different world. Like, hey, let's get you some clean clothes. Hey, let's go check and see what's going on with your eyes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think most teachers want to help. I mean, teachers I are positioned, that. right? They are. Um, and I, even the ones who are struggling. So this, I want to address this and I, I say it as candidly as I can, because this is what teachers report to me. And I, I've been a teacher. I get it. Mm-hmm. When those kids are doing that and we love kids, but when those kids are constantly approaching you, you're busy, you're busy. You've got a lot to think about. You've got a lot of kids coming at you. You've got 30 kids in front of you sometimes more. And you feel annoyed and you don't want to, you feel guilty about it, but you do feel annoyed that the kid's talking to a lot or trying to do, um, to get all your attention. So what is the nicest, kindest way that you can respond to them with still validating them? Yeah. You know, it takes 60 seconds to get to a kid's eye level and just say, Hey, I want to hear what you have to say, but right now I have to do this. So why don't you come and see me after lunch? Yeah. What what kind of power does that have Annika? Well, it's validating the kid and saying, I see you, right? Because a lot of these kids are just saying, see me, see me, whether it's bad behavior, well, what we call bad behavior, maladaptive behavior, or the fawning behavior, right? Like, it's see me, I see me, see me, I'm here, see me. And kids are going to do it one way or the other, right? So yes, you're busy. Yes, it's hard. But getting down again and taking 60 seconds or 30 seconds even to say, hey, I hear you. I see you. I want to hear you. I don't have that ability at this moment. Come and see me at this time. Because a lot of times these kids just need a definitive, I'm going to talk to you at this moment. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. so that they know like, hey, I don't have to keep going like, hey, look at me. I'm going to get that attention after lunch, you know? Right. And, and I think well, if we're talking about this, I think that validation is actually saving some of our kids. Can you talk about that? If you may agree or disagree. No, I agree that validation, um, you know, like suicidal, there were, I was in the hospital a couple of times and it, it, when I was a kid and the weird thing is, was that was the place that was safe. Like I got to eat. No one was yelling at me. I wasn't considered the bad kid. You know, like that, um, yeah, that validation is something that's extremely important. And again, either way, right? Like, so my son had some, um, some struggles when he was younger and he had this teacher, her name was Mrs. Lips. And oh my God, like he went from a kid that was all over the place and like, you know, all over And he became this kid that was excited about school. Her classroom was an environment that all kids were equal. You know, she didn't treat one better than the other. They sang, they had a good time. She was very strict, but she, she, the kids knew that she loved them. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. You can still be strict and have rules and show these kids that you love them and have some darn order in your class. So your limits, when you know you've reached them, you still feel okay right? That, that can all work, can't it? It can. Yeah. Yeah. And and how important is movement for kids? Extremely important. I think, honestly, that's one of the disservices that we do to our kids, right? We're told, these kids are told, sit, let recess has been taken out, certain different things are they don't have now, these like energy movements. Mm-hmm. We're telling these kids to sit down for seven or eight hours. I'm an adult and I can barely sit down for like an hour, an hour and a half. Right. right? Yeah, like, we need it too. Yeah. So I think like, I wish we had more of that, that movement. Okay. 
Yeah. And, and what else do we need to have in our school setting that would help kids, do you think? Um, probably more resources, right? Like the thing that's a little bit different now compared to then is we do have school social workers, right? So if a kid doesn't have school clothes or if they don't have, you know, like for me, there was a point with my son where I was a single mom, right? And I didn't have a lot of resources. So being able to go there and get what he needed. Um, I think there needs to be more support for teachers too, right? Like, because we're telling these teachers like change and do this and do that, but we're also not looking at what they need. What's going on with them? How can they be supported? Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of you to actually say after a lot of, you, I mean, you truly admit and say that those teachers did bully me. It was more than one and it was targeted. And I mean, it falls under that definition of bullying. And mm -hmm. so you still say that teachers need the support. Do you think that would have made a big difference if teachers felt supported back then? Maybe, maybe I think about the one teacher that paddled me, like it's, it's dual thoughts, right? Both things can be true. What she did was really, really messed up. Yeah. But also there's compassion for her too. Like maybe something was going on that day. Maybe something happened to her and maybe she didn't have the support she needed, you know, doesn't make what she did. Okay. No, no you're okay. Yeah. Well, and that's a message I often say, and I'm sure you do too. Trauma still doesn't excuse the behavior. It doesn't excuse it. We mm -hmm. just have to now understand it. Boy, boy, if people understood more of this, how they would respond differently to kids hundred percent, yeah. especially those kids that are labeled bad. You know, there's not one kiddo that I've worked with that has been labeled bad that doesn't have some kind of history of something happening at home, you know, and it doesn't mean that that's true. Sometimes kids have challenges and that, you know, there's brain chemistry. There's all the, there's, it's a variables. There's lots of different variables. Sure. If we could just take a minute and try to figure out what is happening. And that's what I think Mrs. Lips did awesome in her classroom. You know, she treated these kids like they all had value. Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah. So when those kids we know that are being targeted um, by their peers, by sometimes adults if we see, which is would be really sad if that was happening today. Mm -hmm. But those little those kids who are different, who they just don't fit into the mold of a traditional education system student. Mm -hmm. How, how do we approach? I mean, it, kindness is there, but is there anything else you can say about that? Because I'm looking out for those kids. Those are the ones that are easier targets, right? They absolutely are the easier targets. I think about the environment of being able to move and being able to sing, especially when we have boys that like want to explore, right? Like how do we, implement that stuff into our education education system how do we make it so that they are they get to be kids too yeah. you know like is recess has been taken out for the most part right in the majority of schools now so what outlet does a kiddo have to get that energy moving Right. I know. And I always preach like, we got to sneak that into our day all day long. There's lots of ways to do it. It can be 10 seconds, 30 seconds. It does not disrupt the teaching aspect. Right. Mm -hmm. And in Canada, I used to work in Canada, I used to teach in Canada mm -hmm. and they had three recesses per day for K through eighth grade. Can you imagine no. how important that is? Yeah. And that was a priority, huge priority. Even if even when it was cold, <laughs> you put them all in their snowsuits and you got them all out there. So do you feel like that made a difference 
like comparatively to the U.S.? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were very welcoming and open. Um, equity was, they, it was a part of normal conversation. It wasn't a separate conversation in political. Everybody felt like equity was important. Inclusion. Um, there's different conversations around that. But people were more accepting. We didn't have the division as much up there like that, that we do here. It is, it's quite a difference down here. Yeah. And kids pick up on all, all that energy and the, the judgment and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it made a difference. Yeah. I'm wondering if like in this, I'm just sitting here thinking like if teachers had resources in the classroom, you know, maybe if a kiddo is coming in, not quite clean that there was clothes or soap or things that are in the classroom that could help the kid. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking of what it was like for me to come to school and being told that I smelled bad and that I was dirty. And, you know, I used to wear my mom, um, gave me these boots that were like three times too big. Anyway, this is just a side story. Three times too big. (laughs) And kids used to sing this song, like she wears those Germany boots, dun, dun, dun. And you know, like going down the hall and you would like, when we're talking about teachers, you would think that the teacher would have said, stop, that's enough. That's right. That's right. That's what gets me, Annika, is if you do know something is going on, if you do know that kid's being teased, then don't do it. Then don't do it. I had a teacher once and it was really tough for me actually, because it was a colleague and I didn't know what to do. And I, I still feel tons of guilt. There was a kid who was acting out and he was that kid, but I loved those kids. I just felt comfortable um, being kind to them. I don't know. That was kind of my thing. And he, something was up with his hair and this teacher in front of the whole class made fun of his hair. And I didn't say anything. And I wish I could go back to that time and say something and stand, be the one person in that building standing up for that kid who people didn't like. I wish I would have done that. And I actually did reach out to him after he graduated. And, um, but it's too late at that point because that kid needs to know somebody's got their back there. And it's hard when it's among your colleagues too, but I would, I would be way more fierce about it now because it's not okay. So, yeah. right. We got to say something. We've got to say something and stand up for these darn kids. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it from a holistic perspective. Um, You know, when I think about the teacher that did what she did, you know, we can say that the teacher is bad or whatever, and she shouldn't have did this, but she's a human too. Right. And I, and I think that is the lens that I come from is why, like, why did this happen? What is going on? Were you not supported? You know, were you overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. You know, is there, should there be consequences? Absolutely. Putting a kiddo in the corner at nine o'clock in the morning and paddling them every time they turned around till three o'clock in the afternoon is not okay. No matter how you try to slice that. Right. It just isn't. It's not, I don't know. I mean, Clearly she was taking, like when you're at that point, something's really wrong and she should not be in education. She should not be working with kids. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. She actually just retired last year. What? Are you serious? (laughs) And she was, she was pushing old then. So I'm curious how old she was actually. Maybe she just looked old and she wasn't old, but whatever, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a gift I have in being able to try to see everybody's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I think these bullying programs, 
bullying programs are always, you know, great. I'm like, I, I want people to be aware and do all of that. But the reason anything will work is because we're going from a place of prevention. I mean, think about the kids who are doing the bullying. Something's going on with them too. You know that. 100%, yeah. Right. 100%. So we humanize them as well. We try to, I mean, I, I feel just as, um, I don't know what the word is. I, I feel for them just as in a different way, but I feel for them just as much as I do the kid being victimized because they're, they, they're navigating the world and they're looking to us. And a lot of times they don't have those role models that are supposed to guide them or, mm -hmm. or paying enough attention that, well, that couldn't be my kid. Well, it is your kid. It is your kid. Yeah. Right. Let's address this <laughs> and let's help them because they clearly need a shift in perspective too. And they, they can, but prevention, like humanize, go back to human capital. Let's invest in human capital and prevent this stuff from happening in the first place. Yeah. And when you're looking at kids that bully, 99% of the time they're being bullied, right? Yes. Like, so, and I think when we're looking again at the holistic, like all of it, if we take all the moving pieces, there's a reason why those kids are doing that. You Absolutely. know, like I was little, I was very tiny, probably malnourished, you know, like I was 13 and 60 pounds. So yeah, it was, that was really rough. So anyway, being an adult, like, whatever you, God, whatever you choose to believe in allowed me to be back in the place where I was being bullied. And I got to see, you know, one of the girls that terrorized me as a kid. And then when her and I talked, she was telling me about what was going on with her at home. You know, she was living in an environment where there was shooting and sexual abuse and all this stuff, but she was bigger than me. So she felt like she could dominate me because she was being dominated. Mm -hmm. Right. It's yeah. kind of like, a so Again, looking at all of it from a holistic perspective. Yeah, big dynamics going on there. Okay, well, I know we could talk more about this, Annika, but I want to honor your time. So thank you so much for being here, truly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, and how can people find you? Yeah, so I am in private practice. My business is called Phoenix Soaring Counseling. Um, I am in Northern Kentucky. So yeah, just look up Phoenix Soaring Counseling online and you'll be able to, you'll see me. Awesome. And I know that you will do a complimentary consultation, right? 100%. Yes, absolutely. And um, I would like to get back into the schools. Um, one of my practice practicums was going into the schools and talking about bullying and talking about abuse and how to get help. Right. So yes, I would love to get back into that. Good. So if you're a school leader who's local in the Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, or I mean, would you travel a couple hours away? To Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 So if you're listening, please reach out to Annika. I did put your website on here, but it is, it's Phoenix soaringcounseling.com. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. If you'd like to have her in your school, you would be a great speaker. I, your message is very clear and I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that you do this. My pleasure. It is so needed. Okay. <laughs> you make a difference, Charlie. <laughs> well, thanks. Aren't we all trying to, we're doing it together. hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Did you get your school mental health audit yet? You can get it at thrivingeducator.org forward slash audit. And if you're working on mental health PD planning, check out all the ways we can support you while you're there on our website already. It's just under professional development. And listen, if you found value in today's episode, please share it in your network for those who will benefit. And if you could give it a rating and review it, that would be great. We really appreciate you. Thanks for listening.